So what's your greatest fear? My greatest fear is one day I'll, I'll, I'll get caught. That I'm faking that I'm listening, right? So I don't, what is your greatest fear? Fear. We're going to talk about that tonight just for a minute. So there are a couple of words. A phoba, phobus, or delos. A phobia is an irrational fear. Now, my wife has an irrational fear of spiders. That's a phobia. Those spiders aren't going to kill her, but she thinks they might, right? Now, delos is a word that just means timid or cowardly or fearful. Fear is actually a primary re- reaction and emotion that humans have. It's built into us. It's not all bad. We should have caution of some things, right? We teach our kids, don't play in the street. Don't stick stuff in electrical sockets, you know. Don't play with knives. My grandson, yesterday, he's six, and our daughter texts us. She's pulling in the driveway, and her second child is calling her on the phone. Wyatt just cut his finger off as she's pulling in the driveway. <laughs> six years old, shouldn't play with knife. He almost cut off his finger. Um, they got it sewn back on. He's fine. But we should uh, <laughs> rub a little dirt on it. He'll be fine. But we, we should have in us an understanding of what is there that we should be cautious of. What is it that should evoke in us a sense of timidity or at least a little bit of caution, awareness? But where does fear become more than that? And where does fear become sin? Where does fear become a lack of trust in God, a lack of understanding the love of God in our life? So years ago when I was a pastor in a church, and I have, I apologize, I have no idea what's going on behind me, so I'll hope, but we'll just go with the slides, so we're okay. Um, Oh, I can see them now. I'm old, right? There they are. (laughs) I apologize. Okay, so I was a pastor in a church, and uh, I had teenagers. Uh, My oldest was probably 16 at the time, and so we had a youth ministry that she kind of helped start, small church, And, and, and we had a kid coming young girl. She was a sophomore in high school, and she had lots of anxiety. And her parents came to talk to me. So we don't understand. You know, she's just super, like, not okay a lot. So I went out to their house, and I just sat down with them. We were praying and talking. And I said, hey, could I see your bedroom? She wasn't there. Well, sure. And I've worked with kids all my life. So I wanted to see where she spent her time. And go in the bedroom, and it's covered. Walls are plastered with Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, every horror film poster you could think of. The movies under her TV set were all of the horror flicks you could think of, right? Now, she wasn't a bad kid, but she was soaking her mind in stuff that the enemy takes and disturbs our spirit into fear. So how does fear get in us? Through media. And what does it do to it? How do we begin to have a fear that becomes uh, harmful to us? We don't pay attention to our heart. And the Bible says, above all things, guard your heart. Guard your heart. What does that mean? How do I, how do I guard my heart? And what am I fearing? So I want you to think just a minute. What is, it, what is it that keeps you up at night? When you stop interacting with other people, and your mind is just yours for a minute, and you're sitting somewhere or you're laying somewhere, what is that thing that pulls at the back of your mind? 
that causes you not to be okay, not to be super happy, not to be at ease. What is that? The enemy loves, I don't say he loves, the enemy wants a fearful Christian. He wants someone who's just not absolutely okay with everything in their life. Now you think, well, that's pretty normal, right? We all have issues. We all have things going on. But what is it that imprints you? So there's a phrase, I don't know, I'm not going to be big on terminology like this, but there is a phrase called a core lie. That comes from some psychology stuff. But the base of that is, is that there are things that get into us that we begin to believe are, are us. So the enemy's really good about coming to us as us. And he tells you, you're just really not very pretty. You're just really not very, uh, people don't really like you. They just kind of tolerate you. If you weren't with this group, nobody would like you. You're never going to get a promotion. You're never going to achieve the dreams you thought you had. He, and he likes to keep those things in our mind. And then we, over time, begin to say, that's just who I am. And in it, it begins to establish a fear. And you think, well, wait a minute, I'm not scared. Well, that's not what we're talking about. So I grew up in a home of all boys, mostly. Well, had a little sister. She came along really late, but I had older brothers. And you never admit you're scared, right? I'm not scared of nothing. I'm not scared. I'm not fearful. So as an adult, I didn't deal. I can talk about this, and I can talk about the Word of God this because I've lived through this moment, moments in my life. I didn't realize that a long time ago, I let a fear establish in me. And the fear was that I was never going to be as the man that my brothers were. And it came from something that whispered to me a long time ago when I was a severe stutterer. I don't know if y'all noticed when I was reading a while ago, there's that long pause because I don't stutter anymore. I just make you uncomfortable while I wait. <laughs> so, but I used to stutter severely, just couldn't talk and had therapy and stuff. And mostly I finally trusted God made me the way I am. And when he wants me to talk, he'll let me. And when he'd rather me be quiet, I'm probably going to stutter some. So, uh, but, but I began to believe that I was never going to be much. Just wasn't going to be much. And that got in me. And the fear wasn't that I was scared of something. I began to be fearful and not allow God to identify me as who I was. And I began to believe what is called a core lie. But things can happen to us. We get scarred by things in life, and the enemy slips right in there and identifies it real quick. He says, ha there you go, see? You're a screw-up. You knew you were. Now it's valid. And now you fear ever acting again because you just kind of think maybe I'm a screw-up. God didn't create us that way. So we want to look at that tonight. <laughs> um, if you'll look, in, and I, I want to, so hit that slide. I don't know if you can, that next one. When um, Scripture says that we should soak our minds in some stuff, right? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What you have learned and received and heard, seen in me, practice these things, and what? This is the best part, the God of peace. The God of peace will be with you. That is so important, and we need to 
You have to internalize that and you have to remind yourself, things can happen to me, but this is where my mind needs to be. I need to really let God love me. And when I focus on those things, God can love me completely. And all those areas that I kind of hold off, I kind of put up some walls, I kind of think, you know, I know God loves me. I know God loves me. But do you really know how much God loves you? When you focus on this, you'll let those doors, let those walls down, and you'll understand that there's some stuff that's kept you in a place that you don't need to be. Um, when I look down, it gets real loud. I'm sorry. Okay. It bothers me. Okay. So um, <clears throat> what does fear do to us? How does, how does fear affect us? You know, fear snares us to some stuff. You can have a traumatic event. You can have religious bondage in your life. So I was in a car wreck. When we, six years ago, we first moved over to Derby. We had just moved in. It was November. And I was going to run to town to the store to get some snacks. And I was going to take my pickup. And my wife said, hey, my car needs gas. Take it and fill it up. So my daughter and I jump in the car. We turn off of Baltimore right here on always uh, Madison. And we're just going, you know, to the Dillons. And we just pass Walgreens. And the lady, she never looked up. She came across Georgie Street and just T-boned us. And a minivan was coming at me. So she hits us here. And I hit the minivan with my window. And we bounce back, and she hits us again, and we kick over in that bank parking lot. It was kind of a moment. <laughs> a little traumatic. Airbags. Can't get out of the car. They have to cut us out. Uh, I didn't realize, because, I mean, I wasn't hurt. My daughter wasn't hurt. I mean, she got her neck, felt bad for a while, but she wasn't hurt. So I was thankful. I was mad. I'm that guy, right? I'm mad. You hit me. Okay, we're not dead. We should be thankful. She's not dead. We're good. We'll be okay. Um, but I got mad. But what I didn't realize, that instilled a fear in me instantly. And for months after that, every intersection, I'm like watching every car. I'm hitting the brakes early. I'm flinching as people roll in. You know, people sometimes, I probably do that. I probably roll in. I'm the guy that makes everybody else nervous. But <laughs> I'm like, I'm scared. Like, not scared, but I am tentative, crazy tentative. Well, traumatic events like that, that's a small traumatic event. You can have major life traumatic events that stick fear in you. God doesn't want us to operate in a sense of fear. Even on those kinds of things, he wants us to have peace. He says, my peace, not as the world gives, I give you my peace. And that is an overcoming peace. So how do you get past that? And you'll think, well, you know, you just drive long enough. I don't flinch anymore. Well, maybe it's not that easy. But do I just trust God that he will take care of us? We were in a major wreck. We were okay. I can trust God with everything, even people who don't look up and run stop signs. I can still trust God. He's watching out for us. And I can live life in peace. And that is important. So <laughs> fear can do some stuff to us. Fear snares us to some stuff. So I want to talk about this for a second. Fear, can, fear of man snares us to man. What is fear of man? So uh, I've been a school teacher most all my life. Early on in my life, uh, I've always worked with FCAs, 
That's Fellowship Christian Athletes, Athletes in Action. I've always taken my faith to school. One time I had a teacher tell me, hey, you need to be careful sharing your faith because they can fire you for that. Well, maybe. But the truth is, my dad always told us this. He said, you can always know that you didn't get that job. God got that job for you. And so when God's ready for you to have a new job, you'll get a new job. But I never worried about sharing my faith, but I worked with Christians who were afraid to share their faith for fear that a parent would tell a principal and they would get fired. That fear of man snares you to man. Now, no longer am I okay listening to God at work saying, you know, is this an opportunity for me to share faith? I'm just saying, I hope my principal doesn't catch me ever saying God out loud. You, it snares you to man. Now you can't listen for the Holy Spirit to direct you to be the witness you're supposed to be. He told us not to be, to, to be in the world, not of the world. But be in the world as a Christian, that means wherever I go, Jesus is with me. Therefore, he says, be ready. Be ready to give the answer. But always have your mind ready and be in a position to be ready to give the answer when the question is asked. And at school, that's the most important part. Might not work where you work, but if a kid asks me a question, I can answer that question. And God has given me the ability, I think he'll give any teacher the ability to get kids to ask the right questions. I can get children to ask me the right question that I can then give the right answer. That's important, but, but you can't live in fear of man. You may, live in a, you may work in a situation. Well, I'll mention this. This, this, is, this is a touchy subject. One of my good friends uh, was married for five years, and his wife devastated him. It was a horrible divorce, and she had picked somebody else early on. It was a mess, and he got hurt really, really bad. And he got remarried several years later, and we were talking one day. And, you know, when you're married, it's tough work. Like, we don't, we don't always like each other that much sometimes, right? It's okay. We're different people. Sometimes we make each other mad. And we work through that. That's marriage. You practice forgiveness and grace, and that's good stuff. Well, he had a moment, and his wife was mad at him. When we were talking, you know, sometimes we visit his guys about what's going on. And he said this. He said, I'll do whatever she tells me to do because I'm so afraid she might leave me. Well, that's horrible. And that's a fear. And it had snared him to man. He didn't trust God enough to grow him in this new relationship. That he'd be a godly husband. She can be a godly wife. And he can be the head in a godly way. And he can lead his home in a godly way. And he can be an authority in that home. But he didn't dare try. He was snared to man. He was snared out of fear. And that that can happen. We can trust God. God wants us to have quality relationships. But here's what happens. Well, I'll get there in just a second. Um, Fear also can snare you from God. Peter got real scared the night when Jesus was arrested, didn't he? Real scared. So much so that that fear snared him right away from God. He said, I don't even know who he is. I'm not him. I am not that guy. Fear can snare us to where we will absolutely deny our own testimony. Fear has to be dealt with. And we have to admit that it's there so that God can heal us from those things that get in us. Now, you, uh, 
most of the time, our fear kind of works like this. Fear snares others. Our fear snares others to our fear. I know as a dad and as a husband in the home, we have great impact on our home. And how we are interacting affects everybody in our house. Now, you can say the same for mom. But, but it is true that if I am acting out of a stance of fear, and here's what happened in my own life. I didn't realize that I was operating from fear. And what we know is fear is a base, primary, instinctive reaction and emotion. But the one connected right to it that's a secondary emotion is anger. When you're operating out of fear, you're an angry person. You just are. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that's what I was doing to my house. Is I, was, I was never okay. That's why I was never happy because I was, I was operating from a sense of I'm never going to be allowed to achieve the things that I knew I was designed to achieve. That was, you can say, well, I don't know what that is. That's ambition. Well, it was a fear that I was never going to be acknowledged for all the work I'd done, all the education I had pursued. It wasn't going to happen. And I began to get angry. That fear was producing this anger in me, and it was permeating my whole home. And my wife, being the good woman that she is, she said, you get help, or you're going to have to live in a different place. Because <laughs> you're killing all of us. Because <laughs> I was bringing such a cloud into the home, and my kids were afraid to talk to me. You know, it's just, okay, keep dad happy. Don't make dad mad. And I didn't even see it. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't like a tyrant when beating people. But my, my demeanor, my my understanding of life, and my ability to bring God into my own home was just because anger had taken over where fear had instigated. And it was living that life, and it can happen to us. God doesn't want that to be the way that is, and he can free us from that. Um, So fear-based relationships go two ways. Either contain and control or reject and revile. Now, I want you to think about that just for a minute. Relationships you have in your life. Are you a person that's only okay if you've got everything right here and you're absolutely taking care of your, your input is what's making this all work. I am containing and controlling. And if it's not that relationship, is it, well, I don't, those people, I don't know, they do their own thing, it's whatever, I don't care, I can't, I just can't. Fear has got you. There's a fear in there that's affecting your ability to relate to the people that God wants you to interact with, love on, minister to. We're not meant to contain and control people. We're not meant to reject and revile people. We're meant to love, give grace, minister to. The Bible says, if you want to save your life, you have to lose your life, right? And that's a fear, isn't it? It's a fear to say, well, I'm going to lose. What if, what if? What if somebody abuses me if I'm nice to them? Right? What, if they, what if they use all my stuff? What if they use my stuff and they break it? What if I, you know, I mean, so what, but what has God created us to do? Why, why are we saved? What does that even mean to you? And who is your God? Who saved you? If your relationships resemble containing control or reject and revile, God wants to do something to help you free up what's in there. And that'll be a good thing. <clears throat> so you see the world through t- two lenses, either fear 
or faith. That's how we see the world. And we operate every day that way. And it can be both. You can have a little bit of fear and a little bit of faith. That can be very frustrating for you and others. But you'll see the world either fear or faith. So how does it affect us? Fear can have its place, but when it becomes overwhelming, then it becomes sin. Because fear does this to us. Fear causes us to doubt God's promises, disbelieve his love. Fear can paralyze us and keep us from believing God and stepping out in faith. And the devil wants a fearful Christian. Um, Think about your daily operation. You get up in the mornings and you head off to do what you do. You come home at night and you do what you do before you lay down at night. Do you doubt God's promises? Do you find yourself in disbelief of his love in some moments and areas of your life? Are you paralyzed to step out on faith? We'll get to some more of that in a minute because that's a big one, I think, for believers. Um, the, uh, The Israelites were seized by fear from the spies. The spies went and saw all this stuff that was, we can't do it. Those are some big folks. It's too big. And they wandered in the desert for a while. Fear can cause us to miss out on God's divine purpose for us. But fear can do this to us. It can produce outbursts of anger and rage. Fear can wreck our emotions. Get this, 90% of all illnesses are emotionally induced. Now that, what? 90% of all illnesses, now that would be all, so there are some severe ones that wouldn't, are, are emotionally induced. Now I don't know if this is true or not. Not that, but this one I'm about to say. <laughs> um, my grandmother always said, she said happy people don't get sick she would say that well I'm thinking wait a minute everybody gets sick but I think her point was you just don't see a lot of happy people get a whole lot sick a lot of times everybody I mean God we live in a dying world illnesses are going to come people will tragically have bad things happen but what is it about your emotion of living in fear and having anger that you're sick Maybe you just can't ever do. Maybe you've caught yourself saying this, getting up in the morning and going, I just can't do today. I just can't do today. My stomach's bothering me. I got a headache. I got a... But there's no illness, right? Like you're not going to the doctor or the hospital. What's got you there? Because there's a good chance there's something here that you can take a look at. Um, I, I know for me it has been that way. And I know for others that I've talked to, fear keeps us from our divine destiny. And a lot of times, places in our life where we experience fear are places where we have not fully known the love of God. Now, you say, well, I'm just one person. So what do you mean places in my life? That's like an abstract thing. Well, we're complicated people. And you can compartmentalize your entire life very easily. God didn't 
God doesn't design us to be compartmentalized. He designed us to be wholly redeemed. Wholly. Completely redeemed. So if you're a master of compartmentalizing your life, and you can take this one little part, and you can put it over here and say, well, I'm not real happy, but it'll be okay. You're wrong. It won't be. And God loves that part. And God can heal that part. And he wants to heal that part. So what is fear doing to you? What are these fears? <coughs> Whoops, lost one. There we go. I don't usually use notes like this, so I apologize. There we go. Fears are pretty common. Fear of death is pretty common. Um, people can fear dying themselves. They can fear the process of dying. I'm kind of claustrophobic, so I've had that thought every now and again. That, you know, if I'm going to die, I just want to die real quick. I don't want to drown. Like, you know, so I, I, I don't want to be in a building that fell down and I'm like under all of it and it just slowly goes. I, I don't want to die. You know, I don't want that. And I don't fear that, but I just don't want that. Um, but there are people who fear how they're going to die. There are people who fear someone else dying, and that's really common. If you have a loved one who's ill, sick, and it's terminal, it would be the natural thing to not be okay with that moment. People who fear dying and leaving someone that they fear for them because they're not there. So, you have, so how do you deal? What does God want you to do with that? Because it's going to be a natural thing that occurs. Fear is in us as a natural process. But do you live in fear? It's one thing to process a fear. It's another thing to live in fear. And God says, I've come to give you peace. And that is not fear. You know, this whole last year of the coronavirus, and I got it. I got really bad sick. My brother, who's a doctor, called me today, and we were talking about, because it's gone way down. He's in Texas, and it's the, the threat's gone way down as far as the number of cases and all that. <clears throat> so I was asking about my case, because I've always said, well, I got coronavirus, and I didn't go to my doctor, because, you know, what are doctors? And, uh, <laughs> but, and then I got pneumonia real bad. And he said, well, no, that's, I mean, yes, but no. He said, the coronavirus was the pneumonia. Like, it caused the inflammation of the lungs. It caused you not to breathe. But I, I did get to a point, and I don't know. I mean, we were pretty new in the church. I don't know. We started coming, and then coronavirus hit. <laughs> so it's like, hey, it's nice to know y'all. Um, we're going to go home now. But I, I really got bad off, and, and uh, Tammy did too. Uh, but we had to go to the emergency room on a Saturday morning because I was breathing. <laughs> I really was, and I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. They, uh, so we go in, and they set me in a room. They got Tammy in a different room, and they were going to send her home. She was, she was going to be fine, more or less. I mean, she wasn't needing hospitalized. But they couldn't get my oxygen, blood oxygen thing to go above 92. They, they had me on oxygen, and it wouldn't go up. And, and the guy came in, and I, I, God knew a year ago that I was going to need a CPAP machine, so he made my wife make me go get one so that she could sleep. Because he came in, he said, here's the deal. You're borderline. I could put you in the hospital because you, you're not breathing like you should. And I just said, because I'm a doctor, I said, I've got a CPAP machine. <laughs> he, 
He said, well, here's the deal. If you'll wear it 24-7 for five days, I will let you go home. I said, done. I'll do it. That was weird. I did it. But I, I got in a point, though, two days later from that, I was literally in the living room with the CPAP machine blowing, you know, up my face, and I just couldn't breathe. Like, I couldn't walk from the chair in the living room to the bedroom without getting lightheaded and just going, <laughs> and I'm thinking. And so I talked to God about that, right? <laughs> we talked. I said, you know, if this is how it's going, I'm okay with that. I mean, okay, you've got all this. But if you're not done, could you heal me? Because I'd like to breathe again. And it took a while, but I'll never forget. We, we came on a Wednesday night, and I couldn't, I still wasn't breathing great. I couldn't sing. And it made me so sad in my heart that I couldn't worship. I, I love, I'm the weird guy. I, got my, I have my guitar at home, and I have my own little worship services. And nobody's around. And I just love to sing praise songs. I do. And it hurt me that I couldn't. Praise God. But I remember sitting over there then a week later when I could take a breath long enough to sing a phrase. And I just praised God. Thank you, because he's healing me. But in that fear, that moment on the back porch, thinking, I could die. I really could. <laughs> if you don't breathe, you die. That's one of those things. Was I okay with that? And it made me deal with, with that whole aspect of, you know, I'm only 52. Okay, I guess that's long enough my wife, my kids, my grandkids. But are you okay? You don't have to want to die. Nobody should. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be morbid. But are you okay if God says, I'm done with you here on earth. It's time to come home. Are you okay with that? I have a good friend, he's 67. He got really, really scared. Really scared. We had to have long talks because he was afraid because his sisters have all died at 68, 67 and 68. And he just knew, this is it for me. I'm going to get the virus, I'm going to die. I'm going to get the virus, I'm going to die. Oh my goodness, he couldn't function for months. And we had long talks, and he finally, he finally had that moment where God gave him that peace that you're okay. When I am calling you home, I'm calling you home. And it will be okay. And we, we had talks, you know, because he has his kids, not all of his kids are where he wished they were with church and God. And the whole point is, well, what if in the end, if you leaving this earth brings them to that place you hoped they would be? Are you okay with that? So fear, fear can take us and snare us away from the very things that God has appointed us to. So freedom. The opposite of fear is trust. Trusting God in his unchanging love. Psalms 118.6, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. Psalms 56, 3 and 4, when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? 1 Peter 5.7, I love this is my, this is my life verse Cast all, I use cares, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you, anxieties. Cast, and here's the deal, and I'll, I'll take a moment here. This, God walked me through my fears finally with this verse. And that word cast in the original means throw. In Texas language, to chunk. You take your fears 
these anxieties, these things, that, and you throw them at God. He wants them. He didn't design you to care that. He said, my yoke is easy. Throw your anxieties at God. He cares about every little one of them. Do not hold on to them and think, oh, I'll get over it. Well, I'm just being a wimp. Well, it'll get better when this season of my life ends. You throw them at God and praise His name that He wants them and He takes them. And He will free you from those little things that lie in the back of your mind. And you know, if you're one like me, when you lay down at night and the whole room gets quiet except for the fan in the corner that runs. <laughs> and those thoughts hit your mind and all of a sudden you can't sleep. And they run a lap and they run a lap and they run a lap and you get up and you go to the living room and you try to watch something on TV or you try to read a book or, and you go back to bed and you just hope that you can finally get rid of that. Don't live with that. Throw that at God because he cares about every little thing and he will take them. You will not have to have those in your mind anymore. Fear can bring confusion, so saturate your mind in the promises of God. And you, we should do this. You should have scripture that you read, if not daily, often, that are the promises of God to us. What are those promises? Promises of God. There's so many, so many promises. We don't have to fear evil. Psalms 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will not fear evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isaiah 41, 13. For I am your Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. How cool is that? That's a promise. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. I kind of like that one. Because sometimes we get attacked. And you just... Of course, I, I'm, I'm geared probably in a way that's sinful like that because I just want to get revenge. Like, well, we'll just fight then, dang it. Well, that's not right, and you don't win. But God, these guys were on the edge of the Red Sea fixing a bit slaughtered. And Moses said, hang on. Those, you see them today, you're never going to see them again. God cares. He's not slaughtering people in our life, but God can absolutely take a situation that you can't believe, and it just dissipates. It just dissipates. And you don't even know why. Why did they quit? Why didn't they? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalms 27.1. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your Lord. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Luke 2.10. And so we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13.6. 
In John 14, 27, we should all use. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. So as a Christian, I'm going to kind of end with this. So the verse we read at the very beginning out of Matthew 8. Jesus, right before that, had been calling disciples. And one disciple said, hey, Lord, let me go back and bury my father. And Jesus has said, we're going this way. Let the dead bury the dead. And he got in the boat. Now, as a Christian, I believe everybody is called. Called. God has a ministry and a mission for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. It is not an easy step to take. Uh, and we can get fearful, fearful of, fearful of finances. Well, God, if I do that, how are we going to make a living? Fearful of relationships. If I tell my wife I want to do this, she'll think I'm crazy and she may leave me. Or if I tell my husband that this is what I think I should be doing, he's going to say, what? we got to have your income. How many fears can the enemy throw in front of you when you feel the Holy Spirit call you to do what he has created you to do? And here's what happened. Jesus got in the boat. And it says, he got in the boat. So the disciples are behind him. They're following. And then it says, the disciples got in the boat. So they took that step, right? They got in the boat. And maybe you've got in the boat. And what happened instantly when they said, okay, a crazy storm that they thought they were going to die in. I mean, the very next thing that happened when they said, okay, we're going to follow Jesus, we're all going to die. Think about that. How many times have you felt that God has said, you know, you need to go talk to them, or you're going to have to say this, or you need to be a part of this, and you said, okay. In the instant you do it, like that thing you feared or that thing that you didn't seek, you're like, oh, no, see? But then Jesus said what? They come and say, oh, we're going to die, God. And he says, come on. Why are you afraid? Ye of little faith. And all he did was wake up and go, that's enough. He does that for us. He will do that for you. Do not. Some of the things that happen to us is we're afraid to say yes to God because we've already created in our mind the horrible moment it will be if we do or the lack of what I will have if I do or what somebody will say about me if I do. When God called me to ministry, I was interviewing for a head football job in Texas. And I've shared that part of my testimony. If you know, I mean, I was going to be a king of a small town because <laughs> that's what happens in Texas when you're the head football coach. And I, and I get that phone call from my friend here in Wichita and says, you ever thought of being a youth minister? I said, nope. It was a quick answer because I was hoping God was listening. And then that wasn't what happened. And I tried, we tried everything in the world not to come to Wichita, Kansas. I mean, every, everything. I felt there's no way they will bring us when they said, well, write your budget. I said, you can't afford me. We'll write your budgets. <laughs> I got the answer here. They'll never call us. Send it in. I said, we're fine with that. Come on. Okay. <laughs> Did not tell them, well, my wife, I'm a coach. We've moved a bunch. I'm not asking her to pack our house again. You're going to have to move us. You have to pay to move us. We'll get a bid. I got a bid. They said, okay, we'll move you. I'm like, Dang it. 
And then it was a Baptist church. So we come here for a view of a call. I don't know if you've been a part of that before. And I tell the pastor, if it's not a 98% yes vote, we're not staying. I won't come on a split vote. He said, Paul, it's a Baptist church. People show up on these nights just to vote no. <laughs> well, that's what he said. And, and I said, well, that's just what I believe God has said. Because, you know, I'm still talking for God. And, uh, and they have the vote. We're in the fellowship hall, and he comes in, and he's so, he smile. He says, you won't believe it. It's like 99%, Paul. Like we had one no. Just one no is all. And I was like, oh, okay, we're going to move to Kansas. But you know what? Is you can try really hard because you're afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid that it would not become what I had put in my mind, that I was, Paul was meant to be a head football coach. No, he was not. He was meant to be a child of God. A godly man doing whatever God put his hand to, and it doesn't matter what that is. And I was a youth minister for a while, and I was a pastor for a while, and I went back to coaching for a while, and I teach, and I sub. And I, but you know what God has said is that I got, I've got you. Just be obedient. Just let me heal you. And it's been a long journey for me. I'm a slow learner. I, I am. And, uh, but God will free us, and God wants to free us. And he wants us to live a life filled of faith, not fear. The verse that we want to put up. So, well, I'll tell this story. Because I think this is, this, I love this story. So, Elijah being chased down. You, you know the story. You read this, right? So, he's, he's in his house. And his manservant gets up and goes out. And they're surrounded by the armies. And uh, they're, they're, they're surrounded. They're going to die. This is the end. And he goes in and wakes up and says, we're, we're going to die. And they come out and Elijah looks and he prays, Lord, open his eyes to let him see what I see. And God answers that prayer and opens the servant's eyes. And he looks at the hills and they're surrounded by flaming chariots. An entire army of God has surrounded that valley. God says to us, I know what you think you see. Ask me what I see. Our life is not at peril. We're not in jeopardy. You live your life where you live it. God has called you where you are. And he has you. There's a boldness that we're supposed to live with. 2 Timothy 1. I think that's the last slide if you'll throw that up there. You can skip whatever's in the way of that. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. I like that translation. I like the sound mind. We're not crazy. We love Jesus. And God's called us to love him, love him most, and live our life without fear. That's what he's called us to.